Welcome to the Dividend Talk Podcast, episode 74, Dividend News of the Week. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dividend Talk. In today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about our hold, Royal Dutch Shell, or Shell as they may now be known, Cisco, Alibaba, and Nova Nordisk. All this and more. See you on the inside. Yo, yo, yo. What's going on, European DJ? Yo, EMF. Um, I'm a bit slow in thinking today. Spent too much time in the bar yesterday. Too many vodkas. So I'm in Poland. It's how we sometimes enjoy the evenings. But it was a tough night. So, um, yeah, it's good that we have a podcast today. I can tell you that. How are you doing? What better hangover cure than talking about dividends? Oh, yeah, because it will give me freedom. Imagine what you can do with all your freedom, free time if you don't know what to do. <laughs> maybe drink more vodka. Yeah. Well, that's not. Maybe we have like teenagers here and they're, that are listening, so maybe we should <laughs> don't do this at home. Anyway. Yeah. Stay, 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 put your money in dividends until you're maybe our age and yes. then drink vodka. Yeah. Diego, Diago is a really nice one. If you want to have a little bit less predictable dividends, you can also buy Heineken shares. But those are much more better for for your future wealth than actually spending the money on their products. Solid advice to to open the show. Good. I am um, so much happened this week, right? I mean, I woke up on Monday and suddenly, um, like like I took my coffee. I tried to not use my phone the first hour, and then I opened up Twitter and I saw it already. Ahold, Shell. I mean, big news, two Dutch companies, iconic yeah. Dutch companies with great news. So maybe we should start with Ahold. So have you seen the news around that? Yes, I have seen that they are spinning off. Yes, uh, Ball.com. So mm. this is like the Dutch equivalent of Amazon. This is what, uh, if you ask the client capitalist, who was also once on the show here, been talking with him just uh, during the year about this stuff and we always feel like this is one of the crown jewels like hidden like unlocked value that international investors don't understand but now also Elliott management came in as a uh, how is it hedge fund investor they, yep. they took a three percent stake they were also asking for ball.com to be spun off i think it's really nice that they are going to do this i'm really excited about this not sure if I will keep those shares when, when I get them, uh, depending on how the share price maybe uh, uh, is valued at that time. But it's a, it's it's just Ahold, right? Also, again, a one billion share buyback on top of that. They this company just, I mean, people know that are following me that I, I bought quite a lot in the beginning of the year, around twenty two euro. I was making a strong case for it at the time. It has now surpassed 30 euro in share price, which is a pity because that means like it becomes expensive to to buy, I said, to, to reinvest the dividends. Yeah. But um, I mean, this company keeps performing, right? This typical U-pot under promise over deliver. And 
I'm quite excited about this and also high single digit uh, growth they expect for EPS uh, going forward until uh, 2025. Um, I mean, this company is just doing everything right at the moment, I think. Yeah, and I, I think you forgot to mention that Ahold will keep a significant uh, long-term control. It'll have a significant stake in, in yeah. the new, the new spin-off. So I know you mentioned you might not keep the shares. I don't know why you probably wouldn't. I think uh, Ball or Bool.com is probably one of their, I mean, they're spinning off for a reason. They want it to, to let it yeah. grow. Yeah. Um, so I personally won't be selling it. I think that that's probably one of the most exciting parts of the business. So I, I think I'd like to keep that, but. So for me, not because the, 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 the rest is for me more exciting because of the dividends and the cash flow behind it. So when I think about Bolt.com, that will be a growth stock. And then the mm. question is, do I want a growth stock in my portfolio if I have already others? Um, so that's more my considerations. And, and I like the brand doesn't have a too strong mode when I compare it to Amazon, but it has a first mover advantage. So it's really hard to outcompete Ball currently in the Dutch market. Yeah. And so it depends on the deep pockets of Amazon and how aggressive they will be uh, with building up in Netherlands. But it will be a growth stock. So uh, I don't know yet. I've not made my verdict, but usually I, I, I sell a little bit of these kind of spin-offs. So let's see. Yeah, look, we, we still have to wait for the, the finer details, but it's uh, look it probably makes it probably makes sense from our point of view and there's no surprise in that these hedge yeah. funds are coming in and, and trying to spin off these companies but i don't know interesting interesting start to the weekend and as you said a second i don't know is it a dutch company now i don't know if it is i think it's, it's still until the uh, general meeting uh, and before they vote we, we might have to call it royal english shell i don't know no, so they announced that the name will be Just Shell without the Just in front of it. So <laughs> um, that's what it will be. Uh, but yeah, so for the listeners, what the Shell currently has, it is like a dual listing. So often you get the question like, should I buy the RDSA or the RDSB shares? Um, this is complex for the company. It comes with overhead costs. Um, so they have quite an expensive um, capital market structure. They want to simplify this. That's in the, this is what the real news is, but I, I can't see it separated from Unilever. You, so if you, if you follow Dutch uh, news and Dutch politics, the, 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 the ruling party, I think a few years ago was proposing um, to, to, to remove the dividend tax, I believe, for, for such companies that they need to pay. Uh, to make it more at attractive the uh, coalition didn't agree if i remember correctly then unilever said you know what i it's probably better for us to be in uh, england because it's more more favorable tax environment and this is what shell is also doing now so it will move its uh, tax location to to the uk with that uh, needs to remove the royal part because I think companies in the Netherlands can have that when they exist 100 years and of course are Dutch companies, but with this, they need to remove this royal status and that's why they are changing the name to Shell. But I think it's not just a, the dual share listing, I think it's even more, um, how is it? They will just keep more money in the pocket that they can use for buybacks and everything. And they even talk about this, they just don't talk net, uh, about you know the, the dividend tax and such. They, they, but if you see all the arguments, it's really around around this in the end yeah it, it, look it makes it makes sense 
it's interesting to go to the UK when everybody else is trying to, to get out of the UK if, after they left. With Europe, the Brexit, but, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's it's quite interesting from that perspective, but it it completely makes sense to to stop this dual listing. The from a shareholder point of view, I don't think it will affect any of us whatsoever. Uh, they're still going to be listed yeah. on the Amsterdam, New York, London uh, exchanges, so I don't think we'll see any any impact from from our end. But as you said, it'll streamline their own shares, it simplifies it, um, yeah. the structure, and and hopefully return more money. I mean, what what did they what did they promise in return? Seven billion to shareholders. Yeah, because they uh, sold the uh, Permian base uh, yeah. assets, so they they will buy back shares early next year but i think we will get some questions about uh, around that time from listeners like uh, should i buy my shell shares now in the uk and and sell the ones from um, from the netherlands because that's what many people have been doing around unilever as well uh, also if you have let's say a favorable tax uh, like in poland you you can um, buy shares in in something like a rof or um, yeah, a like kind a, of type of pension thing yeah. so if you then buy the shares in the UK, what many people already do, you you don't pay tax because you don't pay dividend tax in such a tax advantaged uh, account. So it will just make the choices much more easier for for such kind of investors. I will keep my shares on the Dutch stock exchange. So I don't see a reason of selling that those off. It will be I will be curious to see like will it now be the UK because they are reporting dividends in the US dollars, right? Um, uh, so I will be cur- I will be curious to see if they do something with that as well, whether they go to pounds going forward or something like that. Um, yeah, so it's I, to be seen. I'd, I'd imagine they they will do both. They still have the ADR in in. No, but dividends are paid. Uh, Shell pays dividends in dollars. So even if you have the euro or the pound shares, they still declare the dividends in dollars and they uh, uh, pay it like that. So that's so awkward. That's why you're. When you have G sheets and everything, you always need to pay attention to Royal Dutch Shell because it pays dividends in different currency. Interesting. I hope they stick to dollars or euro. I don't want another currency. Exactly. Pounds enough. So, uh, but for me, this is also historical. Like Unilever, this is a company that that got their dividends um, like last year for the first time in seventy four years always had these dual listings it's really historical such a dual listing because of the mergers at the time so th- this is really big news right uh, from yeah. uh, from that point of view so it's not uh, i think it has not been a light decision uh, taken by the ceo and h- how do you feel as a dutch investor i mean dutch all dutch investors that i speak to are very proud about all their national companies so h- how do you actually yeah. feel about this I, I'm, I'm, I feel quite agnostic to it. I must say, um, I, I think more as an investor than, a, than a, I said the Dutch citizen here. So if it helps the company, if I get more yield on it, fine, let's do it. <laughs> Love so. it. Money, money before country. For me, yes, that's true. <laughs> Good. Um, another um, deal, because these are the typical companies we often see in the news, but what what was really unnoticed also on uh, social media, Novo, Novo Nordisk is to acquire Dizerna Pharmaceuticals. And this is really interesting because they bought it for the technology behind it. It's called, they have, have an RNAi platform. 
Okay. And this technology, and I, I mean, it's really hard to talk for me about it from a scientific point of view. So if we have really people in the pharma industry uh, in here that can explain it in simple English, then please reach out. But what I always understood from it is that it suppresses, for instance, the proteins uh, in your body. And with that, it can, um, I said, create better, uh, I said, avoid certain reactions. And actually, therefore, um, it can help mitigate, for instance, in the di diabetes and such. Yeah, so it suppresses things. It, 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 I would say it snoozes like you have an alarm. This technology uh, uh, glues to it and, and allows allows it kind of to snooze all this kind of stuff, so that it doesn't become really an is issue. A simple English, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah cool. something like well, that, that, that's that's what the technology has in its potential, right yeah. uh, here. And I know they already um, uh, are looking at uh, a clinical program, a clinical trial next year in 2022, 2022. So they had already a partnering agreement. But they are going to buy it now for 3.3 billion. So it's really for the technology behind it. Uh, it will be an all cash offer and it will be funded by debt. And I think this is really smart. Debt is at like all time lows, right? Uh, from that point of view. Yeah. yeah. So they can easily uh, uh, pay for this. The profit guidance, therefore, also remains um, and the buyback program uh, as well. So it's quite a big acquisition 3.3 billion, I would say. Um, and really interesting because this kind of technology, if it really lives up to the promise, I think it could be, again, one of those brilliant acquisitions that Novo Nordisk does. Yeah. So I found it really interesting uh, to read this in the news. Cool. I, I, look, I can't I can't give too much of an opinion. I, I don't really know anything about that type of technology or, or the company they're taking over, but it, it sounds exciting i have a couple of a couple of friends and their daughter's quite young and just mm -hmm. being diagnosed with diabetes so i'm always uh, tuned into to new technology or anything coming up because no one that's close to you, you pay attention so stuff like this is great yeah. to see and i hope it's successful not just for the share price to to explode but to actually help people yeah so i don't own novo nordisk i wanted to buy it at 400 i think um Nordish crowns, or what is it? Uh, Danish crowns, Danish yeah. crowns. But yeah. you know, this is always where I'm a bit pennywise, pound foolish. So that flew away from me. Um, it is like this. Uh, yeah. Cool. So another interesting topic that came up was our famous Dutch broker. We're sticking with a, a, a German a, broker now. Oh, the hero. It's, hey, the Dutch are losing everything, aren't they? They're losing companies and brokers. It's, it's a bad well, year. Uh, they, they, they won with football from Norway this week, so they're <laughs> qualified for Qatar. So. <laughs> hey, don't don't rub that in, please. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, it was been it was been taken over. So Saxo Bank took over Bink. It's horrible. I I, yes. I had Bink yes. before, so yeah. I want to get rid of Saxo. So I need to send them an email. I understood that they will. Um, allow you to transfer your your portfolio to another broker without getting the the costs associated to it. Okay. So I'm really going to try that because I'm not happy with the the how you said the user interface and everything. It's it's just horrible. Like like uh, Saxo is really a horrible platform for me. I want to get rid of it, but I don't think we have the pure Saxo platform. I think they have it after the Bing migration, so we might see it a bit different. Yeah. But yeah, the hero is introducing zero commissions. And I was wondering, like, how do you feel about this? Because uh, interactive brokers did something similar, right? Uh, at least they did a flat, a flat low fee. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly, it's 
clearly an attempt to probably quell i would imagine from speaking to our community a lot of people that were never in with interactive brokers decided to test the water and, and start to gradually move over there i would imagine that was probably a widespread thing that happened within europe so i i think the gyro has come out to do this to try and stop that from happening i was look on, on the face of it you get this email and straight away it says the guy the gear goes zero right and and you read it and it's like zero commission brilliant love it right makes sense now look they're cheap anyway so no, it's not as if it was a big huge deal i mean try boys from davy stockholders which is an irish stockholder and you're paying like 25 euro per transaction no matter what size it is so paying 50 cents is nothing but these guys are giving you commission-free trading and then you read on you read on and it tells you then that there is a fixed 50 50 cent per trade for external handling costs which is basically what we're paying anyway so yes there's, yeah. there's, not, there's not too much of a difference. There's a small difference, such things as option trading, which we know that I do a small bit of. That used to be €2 Euro per contract. It's now $0.75. Cent. That's a significant saving over, over a year. Um, but, I mean, it's a cheap exchange as it is. It didn't have to go much cheaper for me, to, to be honest with you. I prefer that they just open their offerings a little bit more rather than save on fees. But. Yeah. But there's a price war going on because if I'm correct, and I haven't really tested it out yet, Interactive Brokers in Central Europe is also offering fractional share trading at the moment. Yes, I, I, I've got a couple of emails. I haven't tried it myself, but they have yeah. they have sent a couple of emails on that. So what I'm observing now is that we're entering um, a market conditions for brokers, what we have seen in America with Robin Hood and everything, because we have trading two on two with pie investing. Yeah. Uh, fractional share invest and and they also do fractional shares now interactive brokers with fractional shares the hero with zero commissions uh, yeah. uh, in their thing so it is really a price war at the mo moment between these brokers i think and i'm also wondering if we will see further consolidation because flatex bought the hero saxo bought bing so this is also happening so I yeah. think it's really good for us as investors uh, in the end that we are finally getting these options towards us. Yes, but there's always a downside. And I hope it's not the quality or the customer service of these that, that suffer. I mean, yeah, true. fees have to pay for something. And yeah, if you take true. out fees, you reduce fees, something has to suffer along with that. So always just weigh up your options. Yeah, but personally, this... This doesn't affect what I'm doing. I still have my interactive brokers account. I still have my my the Giro account, and I'll use both simultaneously. I mean, they're both yeah. they're both cheap. I prefer interactive brokers. They have a lot more to offer, but the interface and the reporting and do you know what I really like about about the Giro? Right, and this might sound stupid, but I go onto my app, and at the bottom of the screen, I can go to portfolio, scroll down to the end, and it tells me all the upcoming dividends. Exactly. Yeah, man, I can't find, I can't do it that easy on, on yeah, interactive. And interactive brokers. I need to log in half an hour before to find all the buttons and the reports and the trades uh, and the orders. It's killing me, you know? So, yeah, I, I set up a, a monthly, I set up this template, this report template just for dividends yeah. to show me what, <laughs> what I have received the previous month. 
But I want, <laughs> I want, to, I want to see clearly what, what's coming up next month. I want to know what's coming up. Yeah. So. I wonder for for who Interactive Brokers is designed. You know, they have really poor UX. So maybe it was not for dividend investors, but for traders or professional investors in the past. Yeah, yeah, def- 100%, definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Like, and they are probably not interested in dividends. If well, if they're listening to dividend talk, they better start getting interested in dividends. Yeah, exactly, definitely. <laughs> but the hero for me, therefore, from what you said, is like really well designed. Yeah, it's yeah. just entry level design, actually, really simple. And trading two on two is the same. Yeah. Um, but with that, you're usually also a bit limited in options. And I think for for me as an investor who, who purchases one or twice a week something, uh, a month something, it's it's more than enough for me. I have shares at Interactive Brokers for the same reason as you, but uh, it's actually a barrier for me to even use it sometimes. That if yeah. I need to choose between the two, I feel like oh, the hero is much simpler on the mobile. Tak tak, done. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you know what? If if the hero will offer option trading on US stocks, I would have had no reason to go to Interactive Brokers. Mm. That's yeah, the yeah, yeah. that's the only thing I'm missing really from from them. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Good. So um, usually we don't talk talk about brokers, but we both know that we get a lot of questions about brokers. So um, uh, uh, maybe we should talk a little bit more about these brokers sometimes, because I think everyone experiences this, right? Uh, sometimes these issues with it. Sometimes the new news that comes in, and yeah. so. But good job from the hero that they are also um, starting to compete. Yeah. Exactly. I I believe also then maybe more on the company news, like from earnings. I think Cisco. Um, uh, also had something to share again. What happened there? Yes, yeah, Cisco. Cisco dropped. Okay, and look, I just don't get. I don't get. I don't get the market sometimes. Now, honestly, I you know I've sold Cisco. They are a while ago at the start of the year. I, I think mm. they they've hit the peak yeah. and they were overvalued. I value them around forty three, maybe closer to forty dollars. But clearly, people value them higher because they've been drove up. To 50 57 dollars i think the average analyst consensus is about 62 63 dollars okay so people have a different opinion to me now what i don't understand is right if you look at their summary for this quarter their revenue was up okay it was up 12.9 billion so it's up eight percent year over year their gap earnings was up which is probably the first time in five or six quarters. Uh, the non-GAAP earnings is always up because they fudge the numbers, but that was up as it is. Um, there was the business year over year total product growth of 33%. I mean, this is the biggest backlog the company has ever had. Okay, so numbers look good. I wrote quite a bearish article back in February, I think, maybe quarter two earnings, saying that they had five straight uh, quarters of revenue decline earnings was declining now we've seen two quarters of growth that's starting to grow and they drop i think they dropped 11 percent last time and now they dropped five or six percent this time all because they lowered their guidance i mean i just i, I don't get it and it's not as if they're, they're lowering it to, to minus figures they lower to about eight percent seven eight percent growth year over year i just don't understand why it's dropped if you were bullish on cisco before this earnings it's probably a good time to buy them um if you think their fair price is 60 70 uh, 62 dollars like the analyst now is definitely a good time to buy them personally i still think they're a 40 dollar company for me i'm still not 100 sure on the catalyst 
but you you got to remember we talked about these supply chain issues we talked about mm -hmm. semiconductor yeah. issues i mean anyone with half a brain would know that these these types of companies they use all these components they're going to be heavily reliant on them they're going to have issues with this it's going to lower it and i think that's the reason they gave the lower guidance because of supply chain yeah. issues and, and stuff so this has yeah. to be for like these analysts are giving estimates but they're not forecasting these issues into it and then the stock price gets hammered straight after it so yeah don't let me get started about analysts i mean i'm, I'm but I get this I, question sometimes as well about analysts right um about about this and i have a feeling that probably most of the analysts are just juniors that come from university and work in a bank um and, and they are then asked to give an opinion they probably i don't know even know what they do there are some analysts that are brilliant right mm. but then i wonder always why are you not an analyst and why are you not a uh, how you say it a fund manager because if the these guys are so smart like the guy that really um was was right on everything with uh, general electric right yeah this guy should not work for a, a bank this guy this guy should be its own fund manager and just get a lot of money from 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 wealthy people because that's where they deserve to be right so i i i ignore analysts uh targets the, unless it's one that i really know is good their the, the targets are estimates and that's all they are is estimates yeah. and that's what yeah. i think investors fail to to understand and we get these huge drop-offs for for no reasons yeah. so nothing fundamentally has changed about this company as yeah. i said they've had the biggest backlog of of orders they've ever had in their history i think cloud growth actually grew a couple of hundred percent as well which shows they might be clawing mm -hmm. a little bit of market share from the big boys not enough obviously to 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 be anyway substantial yeah. but they're, they're still clawing the way in so my take on this is if you are fundamentally bullish on cisco before these earnings there's nothing in there for me that would change that yeah. opinion and you should yeah. buy them but personally as i said they are still quite heavy in price for me yeah well that's uh, maybe a really nice one to talk a little bit about Alibaba, one of those stocks which isn't a dividend stock. But it's probably good for me to talk a little bit about it because I made a video on YouTube. I, yeah. I had it once as a stock pick. It dropped now to $140, uh, full disclosure. I still own all my shares. I didn't sell anything. I have a purchase order standing uh, outstanding uh, to, to buy a few shares again at 144 and didn't get triggered today yet. So hopefully on Monday. So I'm buying a little bit more, not a lot, but um, they had horrible earnings, I must say. Yeah, if you think about it, uh, they had revenue growth and everything, but it was not anymore the 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 huge numbers like like the years before. It was now sixteen percent. Uh, to be fair, in my in my own YouTube video, I and my free cash flow analysis, I already took like a more conservative approach, like I usually do. Yeah. But also the earnings were really, really um, just poor. Yeah, they were just bad. So, and and so it was definitely not a good quarter. It even felt something like a kitchen sink quarter. Yeah, uh, because a company cannot fall apart uh, uh, just like that. I believe they also had some write-offs on 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 the balance sheet and such, which are usually not good signs, right? Uh, you don't want to see that specifically. You know, we call it company like Alibaba. Yeah. Um, but the earnings were just not good. I still think um, if you if you think about long term, it's really well priced, and that's why I want to buy some more too. Because I, after this next purchase, 
I would have it as a full position because I still have a small gap. But, you know, these quarters happen sometimes to more companies, maybe not to these kinds of growth companies. We haven't seen this from Microsoft or something like that. But Amazon this year, remember, also like really 10% down or something like that. Yeah. So Alibaba is in the same trend, but it stays, it stays like um, I said, risk reward wise, very attractive for me personally. I mean, I'm laughing because you say it's it's a poor quarter and the revenue. Look, they have 29%, but it's it's 16% excluding Sunart. But 16% is still quite good for some companies. It's 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 not bad. Uh, yes, but I have modeled uh, also with double-digit numbers, right? Uh, yeah. To justify a share price, but with that, it, my my fair value estimate was on 250 dollars. So. I will run the numbers this weekend. Maybe it becomes then two hundred twenty dollars. But for me, that is still undervalued at the moment. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Still, still, look, still, still plenty of value there. I would imagine. I don't think I'll buy any more unless it drops to a hundred. I'm surprised you didn't get triggered today because I was looking on Interactive Brokers and it was at one hundred thirty-nine. Uh, on the hero, the minimum price was one hundred forty zero zero, but wow. it didn't trigger. Probably the the stack was not big enough. I saw on the other uh, broker it was 140.10, and maybe this is all those dark pools or something like that yeah. that we know of uh, that have an influence on this. So uh, Monday is another day. Let's see. Uh, generally, the stock market was quite a lot down. Uh, oil was three and a half percent down. People scared, of course. Australia going on lockdown, but this is the stuff we don't need to talk about on dividend talk because it's just noise on the short term, uh, or and, and it usually gives us buying opportunities. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, go, going back to the analyst, I know I had a little rant, but maybe maybe we want the analyst to overestimate on all our stocks. And then, oh, yes. And yes. then our companies get penalized and we can we can buy them. I, and I, I, you've said it before, know what you own. And I think it's yeah. quite key there. Forget about these analysts. If you know what you own, there's lots of different buying opportunities out there. Exactly, exactly. Okay, hey, this is uh, lots of news we wanted to share, um, and I think really good good stuff actually going without Royal Dutch Shell, Novo Nordisk, the hero as well for us. So, I think it's actually quite an optimistic show here, and uh, but it's also probably good time to go to our portfolio review of the week. And I mean, I hope that this is not a real name, but the person called <laughs> Spunky Bong, Spunky Bong. He's from Canada as a passive investor based in Quebec. So maybe it's Quebec. Maybe the, the name is real then. He is investing purely for the dividend. And I think this is uh, good to mention. Long-time listener. So thanks, uh, Spunky Bong. Uh, really, we really appreciate that. And he wants to hear our view on the portfolio. So maybe it's good to mention what he has on the American Stock Exchange. The first company uh, probably to call out with ticker CRF is, uh, is called Cornerstone Total Return Fund. It yields 14.5%. The second ticker in the list is CLM, Cornerstone Strategic Value Fund. It also yields 14.6%. Then ticker symbol MO Altria with 8.3%. Some Apple, some Pfizer, PFE ticker 3%. 3%. PayPal and SB. SW, Silbane Stillwater Limited Gold Mining Company, yielding 12.4%, and some Lockheed Martin. 
Okay, I will now really go quickly because he has also uh, quite some portfolio on Toronto Stock Exchange, probably 12, 13 stocks. But I just want to call out a few. Uh, first of all, none of the stocks that I quickly uh, looked up is, is yielding lower than 4.8%. The highest one is with ticker symbol FFN on the Toronto Stock Exchange. It's North American Financial 15 split, 18%. There's another one, DFN, with 14.7%. Yeah, I was just wondering, what are your thoughts about this portfolio? Man, I mean, he Sponky has said that he's investing purely for the dividend, and that is quite clear. They are some high, high yields. Honestly, I, I don't know enough about the companies, the, the Canadian companies, and, and some of these tickers, they are mutual funds, so I, I don't know enough about them, but the yields certainly are juicy. I, I honestly have a little bit of FOMO. You're looking at these these high yields. What what I did do quite quickly while you were talking about them, I was throwing the tickers into Yahoo Finance and just checking the chart. And what all these high yields have in common is that they dropped pretty damn hard when there was during that pandemic. Now I know all companies did, but some of these were close to to like zero, close to zero. So. You want to have pretty big kahunas on it to hold these companies in bad times. We have no clear view of when Mr. Bong um, bought these companies. I mean, if he bought them during the pandemic, he has made an absolute fortune. Oh, he's on, made a fortune. Uh, yeah, yeah. On, on the share price. And then you have this high yield to boot with it. So, yeah. I mean, investing for the dividend, he is spot on with his, with his goals. I don't know how comfortable I would be. I mean, there's no harm. He has a nice mix. He has some Apple in there. He's got some Pfizer. He's got some Enbridge in there, which are companies we know. Um, Aliquin Power is another one that that's quite good. Um, so there is some. There is a healthy mix there. He has got high yields. He has got some lower high yields. It's three to four percent. He's got some um, Altria. So there's a good mix. Um, LMT as well. Lockheed Martin. I really like his mix. He, he has really high yields and, and low meals and it matches his goal perfectly. As I said, I don't know if I'd have the stomach for, for when it drops. Yeah, I wouldn't sleep well at night with this portfolio, yeah. but I must say I'm a dividend growth investor, right? Yes. Uh, purely depending. And if he's not investing for dividend growth, but purely for dividend, he definitely has a high current yield, which is giving him lots of lots of cash uh but in a crisis i would i would feel not comfortable with those high yielders uh no i would really wouldn't feel comfortable but but you you look we're in a bull market for say 10 years okay so if you look yeah. at ffn for example um north american yeah. financial 18 percent within six years you have your full capital back you're, you're risk-free nearly there uh, yes yes yeah, but i i but, that's nice, nice saying. But if you think about it differently, if in five years from now you want to live of this money and this is your income, and you you take it with a 10-15% margin of safety, your yeah. dividend income, and then knowing these high yielders that might make up, let's say, let's say like that, if they start uh, going down, you might easily maybe lose 10-15% of your total portfolio. Is that if this would be in dividend income, if this would be an equally weighted portfolio? Yeah, and, and that's what I mean with sleep well at night. I wouldn't feel comfortable. I would feel more comfortable with some lower yielder. But uh, this is, again, assuming that they have probably payout ratios above the cash flow they are generating. Because if they, if they are telling me that this 
NFN is making also return on investment on, on their investments of more than 18% per year and then an 18% yield, then then it's still risky, right? One-on-one uh, -on -one here. So it, it, it usually these companies are eating away from their assets. So Spunky, uh, I would love to hear more about those companies maybe if you if you could share a little bit there. Yeah. yeah uh, but that would be my worry that, yes, you, you get your money back but you still have your money in this asset the question is where you allocate that money then over time what you do with the capital allocation and and but if it's eating away the underlying assets you're actually also increasing the risk of your portfolio at least the capital part of your portfolio yeah it's, i mean we've been doing this maybe eight or nine weeks now and this is unique we haven't seen a portfolio we haven't like seen this. this portfolio yet yeah and and this is what i lo actually love about this segment is that honestly i i thought i thought dividend growth investors would all have a similar portfolio but that has been not not the case it's it's actually yeah. it's actually mind-blowing to see how many different types of portfolios there is out there and this is i mean this as i said <laughs> honestly i have a little bit of fomo looking at these yields but yeah. i just would not be comfortable with it so I, for me, it feels like I'm owning Omega Healthcare investors with yeah. a eight or nine percent yield, um, knowing that there's all the time this political risk on the healthcare. So I take it as you know a little bit of more the riskier dividends in my portfolio. But here's like five or six of those. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. So I, if I think about my my mental state around Omega Healthcare, I feel fine. But if I would have like five, six in my portfolio, it would be I would have a total different conversation around this, <laughs> and and that's what I see here. So um, and maybe Spunky's just laughing in the all of the end. He's like like fuck you, motherfuckers! I'm getting cash like, you know, I'm I'm the I'm a cash generating cash flow machine here, and you lose us with your low yielders. Yeah. So yeah, it, look look, I always say write down your goal, write down your risk tolerance, and. He's wrote down his goal purely for the dividend, and he is spot on. Um, with that. Yeah, that, that's I, I give him all the credits there. Yeah. It's purely for the dividends in some of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff, uh, uh, Spunky. This is not a roast or something like that. Uh, you hear here the little bit the more conservative nature in our in our investment philosophy. If this fits you well, uh, you get a, you're really getting a nice high yield. So kudos. If you get now a little bit nervous because of, of whatever reason, uh, based on a conversation, my recommendation would be consider a little bit more lower yield, but more growth over the long term in potential. But then again, I don't know these many of these tickets that you have, whether they don't have growth potential. So ask, ask yourself this question first and ask this, yourself this question whether you want growth or need growth. Cool. We'll move on to some listener questions. I think we have quite a few. Um, we forgot about uh, Phil last week, so I've, I've moved him to top of the list once again for us. And he has asked us, if you wanted to participate in the hydrogen boom bubble, would it be an equipment manufacturer or a producer? Uh, equipment manufacturer, because I believe that they usually don't manufacture only for the same industry. And I find the hydrogen still like not an established one in that sense. So I would probably more go for the equipments. Yeah, pro probably be the same. You you'll probably have more chance of success with a manufacturer, as you said. They're they're maybe not just in one niche. And um, producer maybe more chance for 
total returns if you pick the right one but yeah that's like yeah, yeah, exactly the blind okay the next question is from life with dividends and he's asking our thoughts on amazon uk's move to stop accepting visa credit cards for payments causing uh, a slump in, in their stock price is this a buying opportunity with visa yeah i mean it, it's it's just credit cards it's it's not it's not the debit cards and i would imagine i would imagine most people most sensible people in the uk and ireland would be buying with visa debit cards like, like i have a visa mm -hmm. debit card um i believe they've stopped visa credit cards because of the high price um i don't like this move from amazon i think it's too um they're trying to be too controlling here if they're that worried about it just pass the charge on to the customer clearly state that the charges are too high from visa and we're adding this extra charge on to you um and let them go and complain to visa about it but i i, I don't like i don't like them going in and just stopping you from using the card because i'm sure there's plenty of people that don't have visa debit cards that want to still buy an amazon with, with a credit i've card. got a visa credit card and if they would prevent me from using a visa credit card I, I find it quite offending because they're, uh, yeah. they're not giving me an option. And if they tell me, look, uh, sir, uh, we charge you 1% more then, um, well, then at least I have a choice, right? Yeah, but I I, th I think this is worse on Amazon than it is on Visa in, in my perspective. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. indeed. Um, next question is from Kurt. He's asked, why do you guys think Uber is not moving up? Can you see a moat somewhere with this behemoth? So, so Kurt, I think I think you've asked us more um, earlier about Uber, but I'm I'm just not following this stock. It's not a dividend stock. It, it's not of my interest. It's it's a taxi company. Um, I see just laws being introduced everywhere um, that they that that the the drivers are employees and such. So it's it's not interesting for me even to to spend another ten seconds thinking on a, on it, Kurt. Not not to offend you or something like that, but. It's just not something that I'm interested in at all. Yeah, I, I don't really see a moat with this company. It's easy to replicate what, what they do. Um, and we'd probably see Tesla or someone when, with their electric cars come in with and, and surpass these type of yeah. guys. But like, they're not a dividend stock, so not not on my radar either. Sorry. Okay. Um, the Celtic investor has asked us, has Airtel Africa, ticker AAF, ever put popped up on one of your screeners and have you any thoughts for it? plenty of growth potential and paying nice dividend i've never heard of it no, no. me neither me neither um i don't know so I, maybe, yeah let's look it up and maybe next show we can get back on this uh on this one as, as maybe not all, every listener knows we we don't necessarily look at the questions before so we take them on the show at, at face value yeah. so um we yeah. should we should probably we should probably read over them you know <laughs> so so we know what to look for yeah no but uh let's look look and maybe we get back next show they, 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 just a quick google while you're talking they look like a telecommunication and money mobile service in africa um which i mean we know telecommunications. it could be interesting telecommunications that we know are rocky we've seen that from europe yeah. and, and the us it could be more rocky in um Africa, but the headquarters in the UK as well. So it's yeah. interesting. Okay. Next question is from Thiago Diaz. Um, he asked, if you knew of a company which you firmly believed was being traded at a very low valuation, would you ever purchase calls for them in order to leverage up? Um, yes, Thiago, I've done that. 
because um, I did it with Shell last year when it was trading at 10 euros. I bought call options for at 11 euros strike price uh, a year down the road. They expired in September and when it was trading at 18. So I made a really nice, uh, I said, um, a profit on this. The premium was one, one euro 20. So if you do the math, I, I earned 580 euro on this. Uh, and I bought two options. So more than 1000 euro on this mm. trade. Exactly for that reason. Yeah, um, it's not something I've done. I, I, know, I know I buy and sell options, but it's usually cash cash secured puts or cover mm -hmm. calls. Um, I haven't really. I, I I just I just feel that I just I don't trust myself to go <laughs> to go that route. I get a bit too risky, and I'm a little bit more risk adverse. So I like to to be covered yeah. in my options. But for me, I do such a thing like once, a, twice in two years so for instance if alibaba would now drop to 100 like literally crash uh, on sentiment while the nothing changes in the earnings that would be a moment that i could take a long call option a year out on 120 or something like that and and, and then just take take some of my dividends that i get as income and pay like three three four hundred dollars on that put it on the shelf for a year uh, expecting that it will bounce back or something like yeah. that yeah it would be speculation, of course, but it is driven by low low valuation thinking. Uh, so the next question is from P2P Fire. What are your thoughts on the PE ratio of the S&P 500? I'm seeing different values depending on where I look. Do you look at this? I I don't. I, I, I honestly don't. I, I think I've... I've said this before. Uh, I don't pay attention to the broader market. I don't try and beat the broader market. I just try and beat myself, and I look at my own portfolio and how, how that's performing. So I, I don't tend to look at these sorts of metrics. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. Okay. okay. Uh, Repstones is asking AT and T at twenty four euro, uh, twenty four dollars. What are we doing? Oh, I, I don't own it anymore. I don't need it in my portfolio either, so I'm not buying it. <laughs> I'm crying because it's dropped from like thirty two dollars or whatever I bought it at. Uh, <laughs> no, you still I, own them? Yeah, I'm still. I'm still. Oh holding. shit! Hey. I'm still. I'm still holding. I'm still a hodler. Uh, at twenty four, look, I'm. I'm not doing anything. I think they're getting close to value zone. If they drop below 20, I would possibly think about adding some more with yeah. the split. I, I look, I think the fair, fair value after the split is about 21, 21, $22. Um, so if they get there before the split, then when they get into value zone, I may start to add some more. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts on Medtronic by Martin H? So I own some Medtronic. I think it's an excellent run company. Really, I, I checked their operating, mar operating margins this uh, this weekend, doing much better than the competitors like like Philips and and and, and the me medical device section of Johnson Johnson. For me, it's uh, brilliantly managed. It's just a bit too too expensive for me. Um, and last time I analyzed it, there's an article on my blog. I believe I was a little bit concerned about the, the free cash flow growth compared to the dividend growth and whether it was uh, sustainable to keep up this rate. So I, I, I might 
believe my thesis was that it should go down the dividend growth in the upcoming years, but yeah. they didn't last year. So they were still giving a nice hike. I love the company. The stock I would like to see uh, cheaper. It's a proud Irish company. <laughs> yes, <laughs> sarcasm. <laughs> it's it's it's. Uh, if I remember, it's an American Irish company, so it's headquartered in in Dublin. Yeah. For the <laughs> tax rates, I would imagine, but it's exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and I think the other we we still got some questions around the hero and and Ahol, but we discussed that. So Tommy, uh, diff collector, I believe you you got the answers already um, uh, from us here. Okay, we've got one more question left on the show. It's from one of our Spanish friends. And they asked it to us in Spanish, so I'm going to give this a go. It is, Mejor acción dividendo britannicia ahor mismo? Question mark. <laughs> that means best British dividend stock right now. Um, in my opinion, uh, American yeah. Tobacco. Oh, I thought you were going to go for Chisnera. Oh, yes, uh, Chisnera. But no, not the best British, because I think it's a small cap. Uh, there comes some, uh, there comes more like single single revenue stream risk into this. Um, so I, I think with, with British American Tobacco, if I would need to choose the two, right, I would go for, for, for the tobacco company. Personal preference for me is probably Chisnera indeed. I, I I was going. To, I was full sure you were going to say Chisnera. I was going to go with um, British American tobacco myself, but I'll have to go with Diageo, just because they sell Guinness and I like Guinness. Mm, good one, good one. Well, hey, uh, Objectivo twenty thirty. Thank you for the question. This was also the last question. Um, we forgot to mention Jean Luca from Germany who contacted us via Facebook because he was also the the person having a similar question about FIFA uh, visa. So thanks uh, also for that one, Jean Luca. And we, I think, the answer is something that you were looking for that we gave earlier. So uh, EMF, thank you again for a great show. It was a quite a long one, I think, but there was so much news to discuss. I hope it was of value to the listeners. Um, lots of things going on at the moment that impacts dividend investors. If you think about the typical portfolios that we have, so yeah, yeah. it's worth talking about this. I think. I think so. Who, who says dividend investing is boring? I mean, look at all the news we've had this week alone, and we and we've had more. We we had to cut stuff out. So it's a. Yeah, but I didn't make any trade in my portfolio in the last four weeks or three weeks or so. Either so. have I. Either have I actually. So yeah, 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 interesting, right? Yeah. all this news and it doesn't change our trading behavior <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, hey i said dividend investing is not boring but we're still boring yeah exactly <laughs> yeah exactly so hey as, as we said cool t thanks to everyone for listening tune in to us on facebook um european dj is a little bit more active there than i am we're on twitter uh you can get us on our own emails or our own blogs as well and thanks a million for listening especially if you stay on this long we know it's quite long it's quite a long show but as we said, we hope it adds a little bit of value and we will see you all next week, hopefully.